following podcast is scheduled for what fall or TV time remaining. Approaching the mic. From the sovereign nation of Poland, and you can follow him on Twitter at Landoz, the one and only Landon Tone. Yay, and the crowd goes mild. And I am joined, as always, by my co-host, my tag team partner, if you will. And by God, he is my best friend. It's Will Rab, ladies and gentlemen. Rab, how are we doing today? Doing well, man. Uh, looking forward to a uh, relaxing, grilling, and chilling weekend as soon as we get this old podcast uh, wrapped up, we're going to go throw a couple pork butts on the smoker and see how that turns out. So, uh, at the very least, I'll get to drink some cold beer while I watch that pork cook. So, uh, it's going to be at least 50% good. How you doing, man? I'm not too bad. I love your plans. Uh, kind of jealous of those. And I want to wish you, the lovely listener, a belated happy Independence Day, July 4th. We hope everything went off without a hitch. You ended the day with the same numbers of digits and limbs you started the day with. That's always kind of... Uh, questionable sometimes because we Americans, we do like to drink our beers and our Canadian whiskeys and Russian vodkas and Mexican tequilas to celebrate America's birthday and blow stuff up all at the same time. So hopefully that went well for you. Uh, we are here to preview and break down night two of AEW Fighter Fest airing July 8th, 8 p.m. Eastern Standard Time on TNT, uh, a little bit behind the scenes, so to speak, pulling the curtain back. We are recording this before night one so if there's some instance where jurassic express decided to do an interpretive slam poetry session in the middle of the ring we're not going to be able to talk about that because quite frankly we didn't know it's going to happen even though i totally just predicted it's going to happen so if there's any weird inconsistencies and something big happens and we don't talk about it that is why and i want to let you the lovely listener in on that secret yeah, this is a record ahead of time because, you know, we all have like 4th of July barbecues to go to. I got pork butts to cut so or cook so uh, and, and hang out and, and, and beer to drink because, you know, that's private party likes to say that ain't water, son. That is um, not water. Uh, to, to be uh, consumed because we got to celebrate America's uh, birthday. So we're obviously not trying to fit a recording schedule uh, in on the 4th of July weekend. So we are, do, we are cutting this one, as they say in the biz, we're cutting this one ahead of time. It's a pre-tape. And plus, like, this might shock you, the listener, both Rab and I, we do have lives. So, you know, we have those to live and jobs, unfortunately, to work. So yep. uh, let's um, let's preview the matches we're going to be getting on night two of Fighter Fest, and we'll break them down one by one. We have a big eight-man tag team match, FTR, Cash Wheeler, and Dax Hardwood. It's still a little difficult not to say their old work names. Uh, teaming up with Matt and Nick Jackson, the Young Bucks, taking on the Butcher and the Blade and the returning Lucha Brothers, Pentagon Jr. and Ray Phoenix. Then we have a six-man tag team match. The Dark Order, represented by Mr. Brody Lee and Stu Grayson, teaming up with Colt Cabana, who may be a member of the Dark Order, question mark, taking on SoCal Uncensored, the team of Christopher Daniels, Frankie Kazarian, and Scorpio Sky. Lance Archer with Jake the Snake Roberts will be taking on the bad boy, Joey Janelle. Orange Cassidy will be taking on Le Champion, the GOAT, Chris Jericho. And in your main event of the evening, it is for the AEW World Heavyweight Championship where John Moxley will be defending against a monster of a man in Brian Cage with Taz on the outside. Plus, we have an announcement from Nyla Rose. We don't know what that's going to be, but Tony Khan was talking it up pretty big on his appearance of AEW Unscripted, so we'll have to see what that is Rab, before we get into the breakdown, what jumps out at you about this card? Those tag matches, once again, 
Uh, it was the tag matches last week. That, look, I mean, I was really excited. I uh, am really excited about that first night, and there's a little bit more singles action going on there with some of those belts being defended. Uh, but uh, AEW is a haven, a celebration of tag team wrestling, and uh, looking forward uh, to those, uh, even though there, there's no hardware uh, on the line, uh, some uh, big matches, the eight-man and the, the, the six-man. Uh, Rick Knox is going to have his work uh, cut out for him, uh, trying to keep track of all that. It's Something you brought up is interesting. In night one, we had more singles action because we had three of the four AEW championships defended, where on night two, the only championship defense we have is for the title in the company. But at the same time, does it strike you odd that we got three championship matches on one night and one in night two? It does, because I'm a like, hey, balance stuff out type of guy. Uh, but I think it's kind of cool uh, that theoretically uh, your world tag team championship match is, is theoretically going to be the main event of the evening. Uh, it's it, it, by it, no less than the co-main event. We'll see what order they go with the matches uh, each night. Uh, but it's kind of interesting that Again, you have three championship matches on night one. You kind of start out with a bang, with, with a bang and then you just have the one match uh, on, on night two. That said, some of these other matches that we're seeing are built up really well. And again, everything in wrestling is just a prop to tell a story. So you don't have to have a, a belt involved to have a match that people really, really want to see. But it, it is uh, kind of... Uh, interesting there how they they put the card together. I don't know if that's some availability for some people or or what the thought process was in that, but you would have thought they would have, you know, uh, put one of those other championship matches on on night two to be able to say, hey, you got two uh, championship matches each night, but I don't know the thought process that went went into that. So I, I guess it doesn't matter. (laughs) <laughs> yeah at the end of the day it really doesn't I'm gonna matter. watch it so exactly yeah yeah we're totally watching this uh if you haven't been able to tell by listening to this podcast rab and i are fans of all elite wrestling and the product they put on so i'm sure this will be a very very enjoyable card let's start with the match that you you described to me as a tag team wrestling fans wet dream it's the uh teaming of ftr and the young bucks to take on the butcher and the blade and the lucha brothers rab what are your thoughts on this matchup and who do you got who man i i'm excited for this uh you got arguably the the two best uh tag teams in the business and they're actually in the same corner of the of the ring, uh, the the Young Bucks and and FTR and I have loved FTR since they made their AEW uh, debut. Having been somebody who doesn't consume a lot of WWE product, uh, I hadn't seen a lot of their work ahead of time. Uh, although I'm going to go back and, and watch some of that at, at some point. Uh, so excited for that! It's an interesting dynamic. Uh, between those two teams, because obviously they don't necessarily like each other, but like we talked about on the pod uh, last time, clearly FTR sending this message, hey, we got business that we need to handle with the Young Bucks, so y'all got to get in line, so we kind of have their back right now because we're settling our business first. Uh, I am a 
uh, big Butcher and the Blade fan. I like the gimmick, uh, mm-hmm. the good workers. They're very physical, uh, perfect kind of heel uh, wrestling team. And then, I mean, the Lucha Bros, dude, are the Lucha Bros. Uh, so this is really uh, an exciting matchup. At the end of the day, I, I have a feeling uh, that it's going to be the Young Bucks and FTR uh, getting the win here because that's the storyline that ultimately they're they're trying uh, to build. But I'm just excited uh, to watch this match. I'm excited for mid-match for FTR to go uh, admonish uh, the Lucha Bros for not holding uh, the tag rope. <laughs> it, it's so funny where we're at in 2020 in wrestling. Because we talk about it all the time. The rules are important, and people who really understand wrestling, uh, like your Chris Jericho's of the world, talks about it all the time. Uh, The rules only matter because if we have that rule, that's just something I can use uh, to piss you off when I break it. Uh, And and unfortunately, I guess we kind of lost sight of that in indie wrestling, but I think we're getting that kind of straightened out. But it is weird where we're at in 2020 that the heels are the guys who... Uh, talk about following the rules. Yeah, little bit. And I do think uh, tag team wrestling on the independent scene had gotten away from following the rules. Uh, we've talked about in previous episodes of this podcast how Chris Jericho kind of had to have a come to Jesus meeting with the tag team division, particularly on tagging in and out and holding that tag rope. Because, I mean, if you're not tagging in a tag team match, it's the point of a tag team match but uh i i'm excited for all four of these teams uh to get in the ring and square off against each other i think the butcher and the blade have looked the best they have in these last few weeks that ftr uh butcher and the blade match a couple weeks ago on dynamite was fantastic i'm excited to see the lucha bros to return to the ring because the, uh, that's been one of the teams that's been impacted the most well teams or act let me say that's been impacted the most due to the covid shutdown uh, like we said in the previous uh, podcast that dropped last week, we were going to be getting a Best Friends in Orange Cassidy death triangle uh, match to square off, but due to the COVID shutdown, they had to kind of put that on the back burner. Uh, So I'm excited to see them get back in the ring. And I, too, have been impressed with FTR since they've shown up in AEW. Now, I am more familiar with their WWE run than you are. Uh, Real quick, let me suggest... uh, Checking out the revival taking on American Alpha from NXT Brooklyn. It was several years ago, but that was some of the best tag team wrestling I have ever seen. A phenomenal match. But I think FTR and the Young Bucks are going to be standing tall at the end of the day in this matchup because they are eventually going to have to square off against each other. Personally, I'm a little surprised they're already going into the FTR Young Bucks program because that will straight up print money i thought they would have maybe let that build a little bit more but if we are getting it now i'm totally on board with it because like i said these four teams are fantastic and i can't wait to see them square off against each other and at the same time uh, ftr and the young bucks are always going to be near the top uh of the heap of the tag teams they're going to be in the title picture uh hunt so i mean uh, you can have FTR and the Young Bucks can feud for years, so you know mm-hmm. you can you, you can you can do that uh, in multiple times again. Yeah, I, I'm with you. FTR and the Young Bucks uh, get the win here, and then they have some sort of thing to kind of get uh, the tempers flaring between uh, those two. 
uh, as well. But excited that we kind of have a full uh, tag roster uh, once again because we didn't see the Butcher and the Blade for a while. We didn't see the Lucha Brothers uh, for a while. Heck, we didn't see the Young Bucks nope. uh, for a while. That's how the best friends ended up in that world tag team uh, title match uh, pretty much. As I've already stated, Rab and I are fans of AEW, but even if you aren't a fan of AEW, you have to respect their tag team division. Top to bottom, I think it's the best tag team division in the world, and it was bolstered more so when FTR signed on the dotted line with AEW, and I am very much looking forward to the eventual meetup of FTR and the Young Bucks when they're on different sides of the ring. But we're not getting that during night two, but that's something to look forward to in the future. I, yeah, I, it, 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 it's, a, it's an interesting story, but uh, I'm excited to see where it goes because, you know, eventually the Young Bucks and, and FTR, they already don't see eye to eye, uh, but one's not going to have the others back uh, here uh, in a moment. But it's an interesting way to bring them in, and uh, I just... I just want I just want to ride around in FTR's pick 'em up truck. <laughs> that is a kick-ass truck. That is a kick-ass truck. That's going to be one of the downsides of look. I, I can't wait to have wrestling with fans and AEW to go back on the road, but they're going to not be able to drive the truck literally to the ring. Yeah, uh, I was so. curious how they're going to handle that once they get back to having fans and go into arenas that aren't Daly's place where they can just literally drive up to the ring. Uh, but. We'll 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 figure that out yeah, when figure we figure that out another day. Exactly when we can get fans back in front of wrestling. Please hurry, Jesus. Uh, let's let's talk about the other tag team matchup that's going to be taking place on night two. That is the Dark Order and Colt Cabana taking on the trio of SoCal Uncensored. Rab, what are your thoughts uh, not just on this match but the whole Colt Cabana and Dark Order storyline as well? See, I don't f- up and I don't fully believe that Colt Cabana is going to join the Dark Order. Uh, I, I wasn't sure, uh, but then you bring in SoCal Uncensored, and it makes sense because Cabana and the Dark Order have history with SoCal Uncensored. Uh, I kind of sort of think there's going to be a swerve, and uh, this is like some like deep state stuff, you know, <laughs> high-level stuff that Colt Cabana and, and SoCal have uh, kind of uh, figured out. Or I could be completely wrong, and I'm an overthinking doofus. Uh, <laughs> But I, be, because it's billed as Colt Cabana, it, they, they've made it clear that Colt Cabana isn't in the Dark Order uh, quite yet. That Mr. Brody is having to really hard sell him on joining uh, the Dark Order. Um, I don't know. Uh, my conspiracy theory is that Colt Cabana helped SoCal Uncensored screw over the Dark Order. So SoCal Uncensored gets the win. Uh, but if long-term the thing is for Colt Cabana to be in the Dark Order, then obviously uh, that wouldn't happen. I think it's going to be a good match, though. Uh, you talk about good tag teams, SoCal Uncensored's uh, really good. It is interesting that uh, Evil Uno uh, is not in the ring here in this situation, but, you know, it's it's kind of, I guess, like Freebird rules when it, it comes to the Dark Order. So, uh, yeah, there's like 70 million of them. There's so they can 715 make <laughs> of them. So. <laughs> they can make some very interesting combinations. Yes. Uh, looking forward to this match. Uh, I think SoCal Uncensored with some uh, chicanery from Colt Cabana. I just can't see Boom Boom uh, turning full-on heel and joining uh, the Dark Order. Um, at the same time, maybe it's a switcheroo and Christopher Daniels is a deep state uh, crisis actor for the Dark Order because, you know, he's been the fallen angel before. Maybe I'm just way overthinking this stuff. Uh, 
Uh, I'm going to go with SoCal uh, to get the dub here. I do think you're definitely overthinking it, but I love that in you. I will say one of the most interesting storylines AEW has been putting into their product on television has been the whole Dark Order's recruitment of Colt Cabana. I actually do think they are going to pull the trigger and Colt is going to go heel and become part of the Dark Order. And I think I think they pick up the victory here. I like SoCal Uncensored is already an established team. They're already made in AEW. They were our first AEW tag team champions. So I don't think them catching the L here hurts them a lot. But I think that the Dark Order could get a lot more with this victory than SoCal Uncensored could and it will further the storyline of the recruitment of Colt Cabana into the Dark Order. I don't know if we see him go full heel here, but I think this is going to be another layer that we for when we eventually get there when Colt does sign up 100% with the Dark Order. It'd be interesting to see uh, what happens here. I'm definitely intrigued to see where this story uh, goes, and uh, also I- I'd like to see what uh, happened. Why? Uh, the Dark Order helped uh, Miss Anna J out of the ring a couple weeks ago, too. So that's another uh, layer to this onion to peel back. Uh, mm-hmm. But, I mean, you can't get much be- a much better start, uh, whatever order they uh, put the card coming up for July 8th, uh, than starting off in one of those uh, tag matches there. It's a, a great way to uh, kick off, what, again, what is basically a free uh, second night of a uh, free pay-per-view. So uh, this is exciting. Mm-hmm, absolutely. Um, those are our only tag matches on night two, but I mean, uh, those are some hell of a tag matches to have on the card. Uh, real quick, what are your thoughts on Nyla Rose and her announcement? We haven't seen much of the Native Beast since she lost the title to Sheeta. Um, so I'm kind of curious what they're going to do with her. Rab, do you have any thoughts or wild predictions as to what this could be? Well, I think first of all, uh, the TB, the 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 to be announced, uh, Nala Rose is going to come out and do a squash match uh, because they do have six matches on the card on night two, and that is uh, a uh, brisk pace to have to cut to fit all that in. Uh, as far as her announcement, I don't know. Uh, we'll see. I wonder if maybe a, a newly debuting. Uh, female and Nyla form uh, a faction. Uh, we shall see. I'm intrigued. Uh, there may be some hints uh, on that night one of uh, Fighter Fest remains uh, to be seen as well. Very interesting. Yeah, that's where my mind immediately went was a debuting female will join up with Nyla Rose and they'll go on a on a tear through the, te- or through the women's division. <clears throat> Maybe Nyla will put her sights back on Sheeta to try and get her AEW Women's Championship back. Part of me thinks this might be the return of Awesome Kong, who we haven't seen since uh, the Nightmare Collective was thankfully uh, broken up or retired, whatever you want to call it. I am curious if we're going to be seeing any more Awesome Kong, but for whatever reason, I thought maybe we could get the return of Kong here. That's just me pulling something out of my ass. See, I, I thought... Uh it was her joining forces and I said a debuting uh, person because we recently had an interesting uh, debut with that thing from the demon lake or whatever. Matt Hardy let something off his compound and it went <laughs> miss. It's the only way I can explain Abaddon. That's, that's, that's a pretty good way to describe her. It's like, man, the team of Nyla Rose and Abaddon, like I, ooh, if, if I was a female wrestler in AEW, yikes. 
I do. I, I do think when it's a big announcement, I don't think it's some. I, I don't think it's a. Uh, hey, Edge is here on Raw, and he's supposed to be on the SmackDown brand, and he's got something he's got to announce, and this is you know one of those deals because they're building it up that she's going to have a match and be in action. So I do think it's more of a storyline thing. So I don't think we have to worry about uh, there being some issue with Nyla Rose. Uh, thankfully. Yeah, and and whoever gets across the other side of the ring from Nyla is going to catch an ass-whipping, and Nyla Rose is going to pick up the victory. Uh, speaking of ass-whippings, let's talk about the murder hawk Lance Archer taking on the bad boy Joey Janela. I have a feeling there's going to be a lot of violence in this match. It's going to be fast. It's going to be brutal. Rab, who do you got and why? I got the murder hawk trying to reestablish... Uh, himself and uh, build him back up into that title picture after the L uh, at double or nothing. Uh, he, he's worked a couple of uh, enhancement matches uh, between Dynamite uh, and Dark uh, recently, and, uh, and he'll, he'll put another win uh, in the column uh, with a victory over Joey Janela, but I'm looking forward to it. Uh, it's still one of my favorite matches. It's an underrated match. It happened on Dark. Uh, Joey Janela and Kip Sabian beat the hell out of each other uh, one week on Dark in a in a street fight. I think when they were in Philly uh, back in the early goings of AEW, that was a, a great underrated match. It didn't get a lot of TV attention because it was on Dark. Uh, but this is going to be a, a great one because both of these dudes uh, like to like to like to get physical and uh they don't have wrestling matches they have fights <laughs> that's a very good way to describe both of these individuals i too am going to take the murder hawk here because everybody does die and lance archer is going to make sure of that i am excited for this matchup because i think this is going to stand out from every other match not just on night two but of the entire fighter fest card i think this is going to be i think this is going to be brutal uh i think there's going to be some extracurricular activities so to speak in this matchup joey janella has a uh keen eye for uh, creating violence, and Lance Archer is no slouch in that aspect either. I'm looking forward to these two squaring off, and I think Joey Janela is just small enough, and that's not a knock on Joey Janela, for Lance Archer to throw around and do some pretty cool feats of strength in addition to probably like putting him through seven flaming tables off of a roof or something insane. I'm interested to see if uh, there's any outside assistance from Mr. Janela because if you've been watching uh, Dynamite and BTE quite frankly uh, he's formed uh, some sort of uh, partnership uh, with Sonny Kiss mm -hmm. so I wonder what factor that plays uh, into things there but uh, overall I think Archer uh, gets the dub uh, here and, and sets his uh, sights on another uh, championship uh, pursuit. Yeah, I definitely think there's going to be some outside interference on Sonny Kiss's part, uh, which, by the way, I love the pairing of him and Janela, uh, the little mm -hmm. bit that we've seen on Dark and on Dynamite as well. I'm very impressed with the pairing of those two. And I also think Jake the Snake Roberts is going to get involved here now. I will say it does make me feel a little uncomfortable to have somebody of Jake's age out there running around with COVID, but at the same time, AEW so far has been taking this very seriously as they should. But I do think Jake will interject himself into this match somehow. Uh, next up, 
A matchup that I never thought we would be talking about, especially one that's going to be placed at the top of the card, I'm predicting it's going to be. It's the most overthing in professional wrestling, Orange Cassidy taking on former AEW World Heavy Heavyweight Champion, Le Champion, the GOAT, whatever you want to call him, Chris Jericho. Um, Rab, before you give your thoughts, did you ever think that we would be talking about Orange Cassidy at the top of the card? Uh, No. <laughs> I mean, like, I'm right there with you, but it, uh, I was about to say, when you hear the crowd response back when we had crowds, and just even on social media, Orange Cassidy might be the most overact, not only in AEW, but in, but in wrestling as a whole. And I understand that, I'll, I'll admit openly, when he showed up the first time, I think it was, it might have been, uh, it's the first or second. It's the first or second week of, of dynamite. It was very early on. No, I'm I'm talking even even back. But this might have been before AEW was was formed. Um, like I want to say he showed up at All In, and I'll admit I did not get it how the crowd was you know chanting along for, with his shin kicks and you know him putting his hands in his pockets. I'm like I what what's going on? But once it clicked, like Orange Cassidy is must see television for me. Not just must see wrestling must-see television across the entirety of the entertainment uh, aspect of, t- of TV. I think he is so unique. What he does is, um, I, I was going to say nobody else can do it, but I mean, heck, everybody might be able to do it, but he can pull it off and he can tell a story with how he does it. And for him to be facing off against a future Hall of Famer, not, not just AEW, not just WWE, not just WCW, future wrestling hall of famer in Chris Jericho, arguably one of the greatest of all time. That's why they call him the goat. I never thought we would get here, but man, am I excited for this match? It's amazing. Uh, what it did for orange Cassidy when everybody saw what he could do when he tries, mm, man, that match and people and like hardcore wrestling fans knew that. Cause he's like this indie underground, like basement wrestling legend, mm-hmm. you know, like, you can go look for some old Orange Cassidy matches, and they're fantastic. He's He's been around the block, but I don't think people expected it uh, when they first saw the gimmick. That's why that match at Revolution with Pac was so important, because he went toe-to-toe uh, with the with, with the bastard and, and, and had a good showing, even though he caught the L. Uh, that showed everybody on a big stage that, that he can work. So I'm excited— uh, for this, I really uh, enjoy the role we're seeing some of these veteran guys in AEW take. Yes, Chris Jericho was the first AEW world champ. That was a very smart decision to put the belt on Jericho at the beginning and give the AEW title credibility to make it seem as something that John Moxley had to work for to eventually uh, win to not just put it on one of your EVPs, but he's kind of in that same role uh, as Matt Hardy. They're in that stage in their career where they're looking to give back, and Cody kind of in the same way too. Uh, because again, we haven't figured out the loophole to get him out of "I will never challenge for the world <laughs> championship again." Uh, of what he's doing with the TNT belt and the open challenge, and 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 having and having these young guys. Uh, get these shots to wrestle in a a world title match uh, on on television. Uh, the vets in the business right now, 
uh, in AEW are doing a good job of uh, elevating uh, people uh, to that next level. Uh, Jericho's doing it with Cassidy right now, and Cassidy's 100% earned this. This is not oh, yeah. Chris Jericho uh, building up Orange Cassidy. Orange Cassidy's worked himself up to the point where he deserves this. Uh, but he kind of did the same thing that uh, by happenstance uh, uh, saw the pineapple shirt and created the whole pineapple Pete gimmick. And uh, mm-hmm. I, 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 I like that mentality of what they're doing uh, in all. That said, this is going to be a great match. Uh, I, I, I don't know which way I think this goes. Like, Chris Jericho's the GOAT. It doesn't matter if he wins every match he's in or he loses every match he's in until he retires. Like, he's really good. Uh, I'd kind of be disappointed if at the end of the night Jericho hits the Judas effect and gets the pin because uh, he can weather some L's. Uh, I'd like to see Orange Cassidy get the W and see where that takes him next, but I really don't know what way I think it's going to go. See, I think Jericho is going to pick up the victory, probably just with the situation you laid out. It's going to be a flashbang Judas effect elbow, and down goes Orange. And I like talking on Orange Cassidy. I think it's amazing he's been able to get over as much as he has, and he does what he well does in the ring with minimal effort. And and it's it's such a juxtaposition to the this day and age or this era of wrestling where you know everybody everybody does a suicide dive through the rope. Everybody does a 450 splash and that's like mid-match stuff and we're breaking out like 1080 flaming corkscrew butthole splashes and stuff like that where you know it's just moves with a z in all caps where Orange Cassidy is literally the most over thing in AEW because he puts his hands in his pockets and does these weak shin kicks. Like, I love that aspect of it. Great on Orange Cassidy for getting over like he has. And I know I said we were going to stop plugging this, but in his appearance on AEW Unscripted, Tony Khan said everything points to Orange Cassidy being the most over thing in our company. Like, even more so than the main event acts of your John Moxley's and your Chris Jericho's and your Cody's. Like, everybody loves Orange Cassidy. Well, not everybody loves Orange Cassidy. He has some very vocal detractors online, but you won't find that it, that opinion on this podcast. Both Rab and I are fans people, of uh, people the who OC. remember that uh, professional wrestling can be fun. Mm-hmm. Uh, enjoy Orange Cassidy, uh, grumpy old men uh, <laughs> who uh, like to cut promos on. Uh, Dairy Queen workers. Uh, <laughs> huh, I wonder who you're talking about. And and and, prop- and proposition people to do stuff to their wife. Allegedly. Allegedly. Clones. And may ele- and, and may or may not allegedly be uh walking uh wrestling encyclopedias don't understand Orange Cassidy. Uh but then again they think you get, you know, you're instantly over if you uh pop out of a box. So <laughs> what do they know anyway? Well, that coming a- for you, Uncle Jay. <laughs> I was going to say that was a pretty bad veiled shot. Circling back to what we're actually getting in the ring, Chris Jericho, Orange Cassidy. I think it's going to be an entertaining match, much like the match we talked about with Lance Archer and Joy Janela. This is going to be a matchup that stands out compared to everything else we get, not just in night two, but in the entirety of Fighter Fest, because Orange Cassidy is such a unique performer. Uh, but I do see. Chris Jericho picking up the victory here, but I wouldn't be that surprised if if Orange 
I, I do see Jericho picking up the victory over Orange Cassidy, but like I, I wouldn't surprise me if Orange Cassidy gets like a flash roll-up pin, like just one, two, three, and catches Jericho proverbially with his pants down. See, I think I think that's the fun thing because like Orange Cassidy, like out of nowhere, I I, I, I I don't think you like have him like oh he got hit with the Judas effect and he kicked out or whatever because then you just diminish the Judas effect because literally nobody's ever kicked out of it. Yeah, that can't um, happen. Like they like the Judas effect is a legit spinning elbow to your temple. That that should be one of the most protected finishes in wrestling. Like you like that's got to be like a that's got to be like a world title match type thing where you get out of that exactly because uh, yeah. that's one of the things that unfortunately in wrestling in general but especially in AEW you're seeing these crazy moves and they kick out like guy like every week you can turn on dynamite and I bet you I can find you six times that somebody kicks out of somebody's finisher and that's okay every now and again uh but I, I you know it could be some sort of a thing you know Jericho gets distracted and he gets rolled up real quick and, and Cassidy steals something because that's just fun because this you know it, it's the whole Jericho's so good at being like indignant uh, about stuff, and uh, just we get another uh, month or two months of Jericho and Orange Cassidy, and I'm just gonna I'm gonna I'm gonna lap that up. So, um, all right, I gotta go on the record. Uh, I'm gonna I'm gonna say I'm gonna say Jericho here, uh, but uh, I would not be surprised if if there's some sort of shenanigans that gets Orange a W. Yeah, I, I I think we're on the same page. And I would love to see a continuation of this feud, maybe draw back in the best friends. Maybe if they pick up the tag straps off Omega and Hangman, uh, maybe Proud and Powerful could then challenge for them and we get kind of like a uh, best friends and OC inner circle program going. I think that mm-hmm. could be fun. But I do think uh, the former Le Champion is going to be standing victorious at least in this instance. And I guess that brings us to our main event. AEW World Heavyweight Champion John Moxley defending against the machine Brian Cage. Now, Rab, there is a not 0% chance that John Moxley is going to be able to compete because he stayed off the most recent edition of Dynamite due to being exposed to somebody with the coronavirus. We've since discovered that his wife, WWE announcer Renee Young, has tested positive for the coronavirus. Um, what does AEW do if Mox can't go for Fighter Fest? Ooh, man, that's a oh, that's a tough one. I I don't want to have to try to figure that out. Uh, if do you do you do an interim belt? Because that's they would. In, in like in like MMA, uh, they would either put together a match for an interim belt or the match would just kind of get postponed. But, I mean, you don't want to do that. You've been building this since, since uh, double or nothing, mm-hmm. Moxley and Cage, and that's your main event of the night. Yep. Um, I would I would do... I wouldn't just ha- I wouldn't just find somebody for Cage to wrestle, and it just be a match. Uh, I I would I would I would have someone because of course you could pull because by the time we get to July eighth, uh, you know, uh, Kenny and Hangman may not have uh the title. Jake Hager or Cody Rhodes may or may not have 
uh, the the TNT Championship, and and one of them is in an interim uh, title uh, type uh, situation. Maybe that's a, a an MJF uh, opportunity. We just have to see. I don't. I don't think you uh, outright strip John Moxley, but we mentioned uh, back what it was a, a British NXT uh, championship. They they did an interim bout because somebody couldn't work because of COVID. Yeah, the cruiserweight championship. Uh, they they went through a tournament and crowned an interim cruiserweight champion because the current champion and his name is. Slipping my mind, so I apologize, but he's currently stuck across the pond, so to speak, due to travel restrictions and uh, affected due to corona. I'm pulling up the AEW rankings real quick because I think that's what you would do. Uh, in the men's division, MJF is number one. Number one is is MJF, so I think if your champ can't go, the number one contender uh, steps in and you have an interim belt because, I mean, that just makes a really cool storyline. Who's the real champion? Champion versus champion to unify him. Or, again, if not another belt, uh, some sort of number one uh, contendership uh, deal. Because, again, that needs no explanation. You don't have to build for that. It's like, hey, look, Mox can't go, uh, you know. I don't know, but that's not fair to Brian Cage either because he earned a title shot because he won that that ladder match. Mm-hmm. So. Uh, I, I would go. I would go the interim belt route. Um, I wouldn't uh, postpone the match. I, I wouldn't just postpone it. I, I'd, I'd loop back to Moxley versus somebody at some point, but you need you need a big match uh, to fill that spot in the card. Yeah, that would be very unfortunate if AEW does have to figure out what to do if, if Mox, God forbid, does come down with the coronavirus, or even if even if his quarantine isn't up by that point. I mean, hope yeah, I guess I guess uh, the 14 days would would pass uh by the time July 8th rolls around, but hopefully it doesn't come to that. Uh if it does come to that, I do like the idea of the interim champion. Like I'm going to be honest, a matchup between Brian Cage and MJF doesn't really do anything for me because it's it's a heel versus heel situation. So, um, But I do think that would be a smart way to go. And it, and it does create for a storyline down the road uh, where John Moxley says, hey, I was never beat for this son of a bitch. Uh, so if you want to call yourself the real champion, you got to put my shoulders to the mat for a three count or make me tap out or or something like that. Uh, but let's 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 assume... Let's assume, which of course makes an ass out of you and me, uh, that John Moxley is going to be clear. He is going to be able to compete and defend his AEW World Heavyweight Championship at Fighter Fest. Rab, how do you see that matchup playing out? Man, that's a that's another uh, tough one. John Moxley has had uh, the belt for about 117 days, so uh, almost four months now. Uh, and you don't want to short people on their title reign, but it's one of those things you run into when you have a, a very popular face champion and you keep building up these heels uh, to win or, or to face them. You you can't put a rocket ship on everybody and then just you know build them up and then they lose to uh, your your champ. Um, I mean, because that's kind of what we saw with Brody Lee. They kind of built it up, mm-hmm. and then he got defeated, and they did the same thing with Archer and the TNT belt. 
they put this you know, rocket ship on his, his backside, and, and he's this unbeatable murder hawk, and, and Cody got him. And I think Cody deserves to be the first TNT champ, but you don't want to uh, cancel out all the momentum uh, from all because eventually you run out of unstoppable beast, right? Mm-hmm. Like there are only so many uh, physical specimens uh, where people believe, "Ooh, this is the spot. This could be the guy." Uh, I don't know. Uh, it, it's a tough spot. Uh, my gut tells me Moxley retains, and then we're building towards maybe around the time of All Out uh, would be close to about how long as Jericho had. Uh, the belt the first time. Uh, but at the same time, it's not like you gave Moxley the belt and took it away from him two weeks ago or after two weeks. So uh, Cage could get the win here, and I think that's a guy they're trying to really establish. And so uh, I'm at a loss, man. This is a tough one. My gut tells me Moxley. Uh, but again, I think you can get yourself in trouble if uh, you... Uh, hand too many L's out to these heels that you establish as these, like, you know, uh, unbeatable uh, foes. You eventually, what's the, the, the best story in wrestling is is the chase mm-hmm. at the end of the day of the heel having the belt and, and the baby face trying to chase for it. And when they finally get it back or they finally get it, it it's such a big moment. Yeah, I think I'm in a similar boat to you. My heart says Moxley, but at the same time, I could very easily see them put the strap on Brian Cage right now because this is somebody who, who, like you said, AEW is trying to build up. He's been under AEW contract since the first of this year, and they've told him, hey, you get healthy, and, and when, when you're good, you got a spot here. So this is somebody that AEW is invested in, and they want to do big things with. And what would be bigger than to knock off John Moxley and become the AEW World Heavyweight Champion? I, I initially balked at the idea of pairing him with Taz, but I think the mic work that Taz has done over the last few weeks, particularly his promo when Moxley couldn't make it to Dynamite due to the quarantine situation— has been second to none. Uh, I do like that pairing of those two. Um, uh, you know what? I'm going to go Brian Cage here. I, I think Brian Cage is going to shock the world, so to speak, and knock off Moxley. Now, I don't think that's going to take Mox out of the World Heavyweight Championship title picture at all. Like, we might just get a continuation. But I'm going to say Brian Cage picks up the victory here. Yeah, and that that's the direction I think it's going. That's, I think, the smart thing to do because you have some uh, faces at the top of the card uh, for uh, to be in that, that title picture. And I kind of also kind of like John Moxley more when he's kind of having to, to, to fight for something than kind of holding his ground. Mm-hmm. I could see that. And plus, something you said about how AEW has had a habit of building up these monsters only for them to be slayed by the face that they run into, whether it be John Moxley, whether it be Cody, I do think it would do them some good to have that monster 
get that victory when they go up against the baby face. Cause otherwise it just turns into like, I'm not going to say monster of the week, you know, formula, maybe monster of the month, because you made reference to Brody Lee and that was kind of the situation. They built him into this monster. And then he's slayed by John Moxley. Uh, they, you mentioned Lance Archer. They built him up as this monster who was slayed by Cody. I think, I think it would do AEW some good if the monster was the one that got the victory over the baby face. And plus, like, I do think there is something. I think Mox is a better chaser than he is a champion. Not to take anything away from him when he's holding the strap, but for whatever reason, I think that character and his intensity works more when he's having to fight his way up as opposed to sit, staying at the top of the mountain. Yeah, absolutely. That's, what we, that's why his program with Jericho uh, was so good. Uh, I, I don't think... I don't think it's good. I don't think it's good for business either. When when all your your when all your champs are are baby faces either. And I mean, as it stands it right makes now, of stu- it just kind of makes stuff predictable. And I mean, I understand that no matter who wins the uh, the tag uh, championship on night one of Fighter, you're going to have a face champion. That's just kind of how it works sometimes. Uh, but uh, you know, uh, I think in general that it is it. it, it Wrestling, wrestling's better when you're yearning for that guy to get his pound of flesh uh, from that dastardly bastard that you can't stand. Yeah, and I will say, even though I'm picking Brian Cage to pick up the victory here, I don't feel great about that prediction. No. But I I think that speaks to the volume of the story that AEW has told between Jon Moxley, Brian Cage, and hell, I'll even throw Taz into that equation too because – you could realistically see either side of this program winning and walking away as the champion. So good on AEW, good on all the participants involved. I'm looking forward it's, to seeing how this plays out regardless. It's going to be a heck of a match. When you told me he was a more athletic Brock Lesnar, <laughs> uh, when you were telling me about Brian Cage, and now that I've had a chance to see not not just what he did in that ladder match, because that's, uh, that's not a great venue. Uh, to show off that athleticism necessarily, but to see him work, man, that is exciting. Mm-hmm. He is a one-of-a-kind freak, and plus, he loves Wolverine from the X-Men, so that's going to definitely endear him to me. Like, hell, most of his uh, like signature moves are named after Wolverines. Like, like the drill claw, that's totally a Wolverine move in all of the fighting games, so I love and, that. And, <laughs> and the thing that excites me about it, you comparing to Brock, Brock Lesnar, the more I think about it, I I think it reminds me of what Bill Goldberg could have been if he didn't have that NFL career first and and took all those car wrecks in the NFL, Uh, because Goldberg was a was was a big athletic specimen. But in my childhoods, it's hazy to remember if he was ever a guy who was thought of as super athletic. But that was a different era of wrestling as well. Mm -hmm. Um, it, It it it. if you were if you were designing a if you were designing a wrestler for 2020 and you wanted to be the total package you'd be a guy who had You mean Lex Luger? Yeah. The new Lex Luger, the total <laughs> package 2.0. You'd have a guy who could move like some of these smaller guys do. And I'm not a hater on small guys. I mean, you and I both love Darby Allen. Mhm. But they they have the athleticism because they're smaller, but then Brian Cage has the pure uh, I'm gonna you know whip your ass factor because I'm what he's three hundred something pounds two seventy five yeah 
and and he flies around the ring like he weighs half of his size. By the way, I was only kidding when I said Lex Luger. Lex Luger is kind of meh when when push comes to shove. But uh, two hundred and sixty-eight pounds. Damn. That is the angel. That is the angel of death. <laughs> And I am glad that you that see, if you remember, I was hesitant to compare him to Brock Lesnar, because anytime you compare any wrestler to Brock Lesnar, that's going to raise expectations. So it does make me feel a little bit better that you're like, yeah, I see what Landon was getting at. He's a more agile, more athletic Brock Lesnar. He's a massive just mountain of muscle that can that is going to tear your head off. But I think Brian Cage moves around at a much better pace than Brock Lesnar. But then it, again, it, look, maybe, maybe Brock's uh, broke down a little bit, you know, his, his bump cards more extensive, mm-hmm. but it's a shame in the WWE that like, I don't know if Brock doesn't want to do it. I don't know if Vince doesn't understand it. Cause I don't think Vince has probably ever seen a UFC fight. Brock was a, a war, the, the heavyweight champion of the world uh, in the UFC you have to be an athlete to be good at MMA, to be able to legit shoot on somebody to, because what Brock would do, because the only thing they understand in the wrestling world about MMA is holds and submissions. Uh, Brock Lesnar wasn't putting in no, nobody in an arm bar. They just Brock Lesnar would get in that cage with you, he'd tackle your ass, and then he'd just pummel you with his fists that are made out of like iron, <laughs> like little literal iron because he's like a country boy. They don't. I don't think they do a good job of displaying Brock Lesnar's athleticism all the time like they used to back in the day. Well, like in the few instances that WWE has let Brock be more of his MMA self, uh, it reminds me of his first match back against John Cena, where he did have some ground and pound and literally just turned John Cena's face into hamburger meat. Or the or the match against quote unquote match against Randy Orton at uh, the main event of SummerSlam few years ago where he just legit like started throwing elbows to Randy Orton's forehead and busted him open the hard way and the match was called off before it ever started and those instances it made Brock Lesnar look like that monster that he is but at the same time now we just get Brock Lesnar he shows up suplexes somebody for 75 times uh hits an f5 one two three head to the house collect the check now I will say I think that might more be on Brock Lesnar and what he wants to do mm-hmm. in the ring because uh, John Moxley, when he was in the WWE under another name, uh, he was on Stone Cold Steve Austin's podcast and Austin asked him about the matchup that he had against Brock Lesnar at WrestleMania and it was supposed to be a street fight. And Moxley talked about how it's like, I wanted to do this and I wanted to do that and I wanted to do this and that. And then Brock's like, no, I don't feel like it. So so I... I like I, I think there's enough blame to pass out on all parties involved, but at the hey, same the, time, if Brock the, doesn't want to do it, Brock ain't. Yeah, and and the great thing about uh, I don't want to say baby Brock because that's like an insult to Brian Cage. Uh, <laughs> the great thing about Brian Cage is that dude's going to get out there and work. Yep. So uh, looking forward to that match. Uh, you got Cage. You know what? Since I'm kind of on the fence, just for the sake of it, so we don't agree on everything, I'm going to say Moxley, but. Actually, as much as I like John Moxley, I want to see Brian Cage get that strap because I want to see John, uh, pissed off John Moxley like come for retribution. Yeah, that I, right I want, there. I want some storylines to be shaken up, so I kind of want there to be some uh, things to not maybe go the way uh, that I think they're going to go or that I want them to go. 
That would create for some uh, very compelling television. But speaking of compelling television, that brings us to the end of previewing night two of Fighter Fest. Rap, I'm going to ask you what I asked you for night one. What stands out to you the most of the matches we just broke down, and why? I mean, seriously? <laughs> I mean, I think I know your answer, but I'm just trying to ask it for the sake of the format, dude. Come on. <laughs> Jericho and Orange. Duh. If you if that was the only match in the card, if they were like, hey, at TNT's back to showing basketball, at halftime of this basketball game, Chris Jericho and Orange Cassidy are going to wrestle, I'd be satisfied. Like, that's all I need to see from night two at Fighter Fest, and like... All 11 matches on this card are awesome, and the thing I'm most excited about is to see if Orange Cassidy tries against Chris Jericho. I mean, I'm pretty sure he's going to try. <laughs> Maybe. Yeah, yeah, whatever. See, like, I'm I'm looking forward to that matchup, too, and I think the, the story they've told with Orange Cassidy being bloodied by a bag of literal oranges so Jericho could call him Blood Orange Cassidy— Waka Waka. And then the next week when he showed up as a cameraman to beat up Jericho. I love the story that they've told with that, but I'm kind of surprised with your answer. I thought you were going to go with the matchup that I'm going to go with. I'm looking forward to that eight-man tag match because that thing is going to be bananas. That's the matchup that I'm looking forward to the most. I think that just tells you how good of a job they've done building up the Jericho Cassidy story because that would be the match I'm looking forward to second most is that eight-man tag. And it's amazing, again, with how good this card is. A year ago, if you told me I'd be watching Chris Jericho and Orange Cassidy, I would have asked if you were taking crazy pills. <laughs> Looking forward to it, though. Absolutely. Looking forward to it, man. Mm-hmm. Top to bottom, combining nights one and two. Like This is one hell of a card that AEW is putting on, all for free, too. Which, which, which is awesome. You got to love that prize point. So that is going to do it for Nearfall Radio. On the way out the door, Rab, give the lovely listeners some plugs where they can find you. Follow me on Twitter at Rab Will, host of the Off the Bench show on WCDT Radio, WCDTRadio.com. Uh, tune in smartphone app, the uh, Apple Podcast Store. Uh, check that out Monday through Friday, 11 a.m. to noon. And then if everybody will wear their darn mask, uh, I'll get to call some high school football in the fall and get to, to break down some UT and some Titans football. So please wear your mask. Yeah, wear your damn mask. I'm not going to wait till the very end of the episode to tell you that. Wear your damn mask, wash your damn hands, and just be smart. Uh, follow me on Twitter, twitter.com slash Landoz, L-A-N-D-O-Z. That's where you can get the latest from me, 280 characters at a time. I also appear on the Monday Morning Monorail podcast. That is a podcast about Walt Disney World and all the news coming out of the House of the Mouse. Uh, speaking of news, we are going, we're like, a week-ish out from Walt Disney World reopening the Magic Kingdom, Animal Kingdom, Epcot, and Hollywood Studios, all while Florida is a hot spot for coronavirus. So something's got to give. I don't know which way it's going to play out. Um, I have my own personal opinions. Uh, you can find those on the Monday Morning Monorail or hell on my Twitter. I talk about that a lot there. Uh, so I invite you to subscribe to that. Search for the Monday Morning Monorail podcast. It is available in the iTunes store. I believe it's on Podbean and Stitcher as well. Uh, I also produce The Phil Show on News Talk 98.7 WOKI, radio station locally here in Knoxville, Tennessee. Uh, we stream worldwide at Newstalk987.com. That is 6 to 10 a.m. Eastern Standard Time, yes, I get up in the middle of the night to go to work. Uh, it, it, it's weird, but uh, yeah, you got to pay the bills somehow. So, Rab, any final thoughts before we get out? Hey, just enjoy a night two of Fighter Fest. If you're still uh, doing some 4th of July activities, 
be safe and again, wear your damn mask. Yep, wear your damn mask. So for the Will Rabbi of A Land and Done, thank you so much for joining us on another edition of Near Fall Radio. Uh, you've been great. Stay safe out there. We'll see you next time. See ya. I'm pulling up the AEW rankings real quick because I think that's what you would do. Uh, in the men's division, MJF is number one. Uh, I think as fast as this will load. Just show me the rankings, dude. Don't make me have to work uh, to do this. But, uh, yeah. Well, I wouldn't say anything I do is nuanced, but, you know. Them boys are good. Yeah, they're good. They're good. I mean, I'm still whoop their ass, but they're good.